0: Welcome, this is Marie Wade, uh, and this is the Zoom Talk with two amazing guys that I know. We have Steve Matley, uh, who is the president of Coast to Coast, and uh, David Corzon, the guy who started the Construction Summit in Jacksonville, Florida, that I was in uh, this year. And I was so excited uh. Um, to uh, be a part of that event, uh, David. And this is, I think, the first time you and Steve are meeting each other. So uh, welcome, both of you.
1: Welcome.
2: Yes.
0: So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, David, because I I just wanted to let people know how you and I uh, met. And I believe it's through Meredith Allen. Meredith introduced me to you. And she told me about your big event on Jacksonville, Florida and you had this amazing uh fun event that uh i experienced you had over uh, i believe uh, almost uh 150 people in there am i right or more than that i i don't what? know
1: 180
0: 180 there you go and you had a lot of great people uh i remember meeting the uh guy who was in charge of the in and out uh business in there it was incredible i had such a great time talking to him and uh, I'm sure there's a lot more people that I met that I just have to <laughs> remember. But um, I really want to thank you for that opportunity, by the way. I want to take this You're time welcome. now because I don't want to forget about it. And, uh, and then that was also the time that you and Steve uh, talked on the phone. We were all on a conference call. And uh, we, you explained to us what the construction summit. So um, I'm going to actually ask you to just go ahead and give us more information about the overall goal of the construction summit and what your plans are for that event
1: well right now uh, that was back in january and uh we have the summit we do a couple of executive retreats we have our monthly cocktail receptions a lot of the pay, a lot of my events have been put they're frozen right now just because of the pandemic yes. and um But uh, I did do my site visits uh, at the end of February down in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm scheduled for January 13th through the 15th at the B Ocean right down on the beach in Fort Lauderdale uh, for the 2021 summit. Uh, We were supposed to do our women's retreat in early August. But because, once again, uh, they canceled South by Southwest, which was 250,000 people and $350 million worth of revenue, Uh, I am supposed to do my site visits March 24th, I think. I just decided, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen. I have my commercial version in October in Milwaukee. Uh, So I decided, you know, I'm going to push the women's event. I'm going to co-locate those together. And hopefully by then people will be able to travel and so forth, which I have no idea. I might have to do those virtually. I mean, um, it's up in the air right now. It all depends on how things go over the next couple months. Uh, a lot of things will change. I mean, we just don't know if people are going to get on planes. I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but we just don't know what's going to happen. People, will they go out to restaurants? Like today, tomorrow, Georgia's opening up Monday restaurants and so forth. And uh, some people will go out, some won't. Um, but with us, uh, I've had to, uh, we had a, my, my land event was in March. I was going to do it at a painting studio that got pushed back to the end of April, Then they shut the state down till the beginning of May. So I pushed that back. I had my Dallas event in April. I pushed that back to October. I have my Minneapolis event coming up in May. We've kind of postponed that. It's just tentative where we're going to put it. And uh, then uh, all my receptions, June, I have Philly, Boston in July, Cincy at the end of July, uh, Detroit in October, New York in September. Will I be able to do that in an event in New York? I normally get 125 people at that reception. I have no idea. It depends on what happens in the Big Apple, Um, but- Well,
0: it's interesting because um, this is where you bring a lot of people from the construction industry and um, just uh, retail companies, right? This is where you gather all those people. And Steve being in the construction um, industry, uh, Steve, what do you think about uh, you know, what's happening with his business and, you know, in regards to you being in the, uh, in the school, uh, you're the chair professor for New School of Architecture and Designs too. So you're, I'm sure you're, you're experiencing some of those things that are happening within the industry.
2: Yeah, well, with the school, yes, but in my regular business, I haven't been hit that, that hard as you two, because I know Marie, you had some in-person events, a major event that got canceled. <laughs> That I was actually to- supposed to come up. I think uh, next week into this week. I yeah, think, was I was I was, I was flying out for it. Yes, exactly. I, and I was supposed to speak there too. <laughs> and so yes, um, I've been affected that way because as part of uh, the company, I do, um, I do speaking events like that to educate people on the type of projects we do, and and so those have gone by the wayside. I also do a lot of networking. Uh, to meet people, uh, want to find buyers for our projects, to do work with uh, potential investors for our projects. So all that's gone by the wayside. We've had to find other ways to work. The projects themselves have not been effective because our projects are long-term. And this, at least for now, and let's pray that it stays this way, is a short-term. It's a short-term medical emergency, and our projects tend to transcend that. We're not like a uh, typical real estate project where you're in escrow and you've got 60 or 90 days, it's going to close. And so the short term will really affect you. Our projects, our closest project to closing will be the one most affected. It's six to seven months away from closing and it might be affected because planning commission meetings may be bumped 60 to 90 days because those are closed public hearings. And that's an issue. And if, even if that extends, they'll find ways to do that virtually. Uh, City councils and planning commissions will have to continue to meet. Uh, They'll just have to find things a way around it, but they did lose a month or two there. And so we could get bumped on that. Our other projects are so far out, they're not scheduled to close for another, I don't know, 15 to 18 months. So we'll probably be okay on those and it really won't affect us very much. Our consultants can still work. You know, most of the work is done by civils and um, environmental engineers and those kind of people, you know, so that, that, that won't be a problem, soils engineers, those kind of people. Um, the school was very much affected. Now, I run two programs. Uh, One is a online master's of construction management degree. Well, that wasn't affected at all. We were in a great position. It's the only online program out of the nine programs the school offers that is online. And my my faculty actually is mostly in Georgia, by the way. Um, They're all out of Georgia Tech. So I have one San Diego faculty, and the rest are all out of Georgia. And I go once a year to Georgia for a faculty meeting there because it's easier for me to go there than all of them to come here. Sure. but so, so that wasn't effective. The only effect there was I keep having to remind them, everything that goes out to all faculty, ignore it, because you're not changing anything right now. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing. But I have an on-ground program that's the undergrad program. And the other, eight, um, the other seven programs of the school are also on-ground. And that's been a major challenge. I've had a lot of time I've had to put in, um, being that our programs were the most advanced at being able to do online. And they weren't, they were not, they're design based. Design based is very difficult to do online. Uh, Studio based design is, is a hard thing to figure out how to transfer online when you give them two to three weeks to figure it out. Uh, they've been successful, it's worked, but it was a lot of work doing it. So yeah, my, my uh, last few months have been crazy uh, trying to get all that put together. We just started a new term uh, at the beginning of April And so we had really two and a half weeks to figure out how to go from on ground to online completely. It was a lot of fun. And so I, you know, my, I have some classes I teach, but mostly I administer the program and it's all, uh, it's all been pretty smooth transition in front of the scenes, but behind the scenes, it was just chaos. It's the, uh, it's on the, on the uh, surface, the duck is all nice and calm, but underneath paddling like crazy, going nuts. So that's kind of what it's been like. So that's been, that's been what's been happening on my end through this transition. And I've been trying to also take advantage of venues like this Marie, like you're offering, where I've been doing a lot more of the zoom and and those type of things, doing some videos to connect with people and kind of educate on, on what I think is going to be the real effect coming out of this for the house. Well, I wanted to
0: uh, let uh, people know that David has uh, a magazine, right? That is for uh, the construction. Can you explain more about that magazine?
1: Yeah, we're uh, actually, uh, I just got my magazine hot off the press. Here it is. Great. I'm with Midas Hospitality on the cover. Uh, Normally, I'm at 180, 180 pages. This one was 148 pages. So a little collateral damage, you know, but I'm still very healthy. And, um, uh, the, um,
2: has has the, has this change affected your circulation at all, David?
1: You know, I print about 5,000 copies. I send out 27,000 digital. I've been around 20 years. So I used to have, you know, 10 to 15,000 circulation, but as time is going on and digital is coming to play and online, uh, you know, Walmart, they might have a lot of employees, but there's probably about 10 guys that hold the budget, you know, for construction facilities or development. So okay. I don't need to send a hundred copies to Walmart. I send, right. you know, maybe, you know, and who knows, been, who, who knows if that's been furloughed or laid off. That was my biggest, my biggest challenge with the printer was, I don't know who's going to get the magazine. Some of the offices are closed. Some people get it at their home address. So I I just said, you know, I'm going to put it out there. Some of the magazines like Conde Nast, they just shut their doors, you know, Vogue magazine Mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, I'm old school. I still like the magazine. Some of, some of the people like it, some people like getting it digitally. So, uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a business decision that I decided to do. Uh, if you don't have all your eggs in one basket, if you just have a magazine, you probably won't survive in my opinion. If you're a publisher myself, I have events, I do some other things, so, uh, but still, it's, uh, it's been a challenge. Um, with the magazine, you, you know, I'm hoping that people will get the magazine eventually, once they get their mail and so forth, and that they're not scared to touch it you know, because they don't know how long the virus and, and, you know, all, all the fear and gloom and doom and gloom that's on the news. You just don't <laughs> yeah, know. I know. And, uh, so, and, uh, at the post office, half the guys are calling in sick. They, and they have temps back there and yeah, you, you you know, you're at the mercy of the post office and we all know how the government, how efficient those guys are. They're doing a great job. I love them down there, <clears throat> but, um, we printed it, it got mailed. I'm, I'm, uh, actually right before you called, I was, uh, Updating my sites because I'll send out my newsletter tomorrow with a new issue. And um, hopefully, uh, but what I had to do is uh, we decided we had to keep our name out there. So I started a CCRE Digest. We were doing some fun things with people and uh, some profiles. Uh, we launched our podcast, I'm doing one, one oh. a week at least.
0: Oh, that's and, good.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, with, let me uh, ask
0: you because I'm still, I still like the idea of ha- getting a hard copy of a magazine. I mean, it's just different when you, you're looking at it and, you know, it's a tangible thing that you you like to to touch and read that way. So I, I get the digital, but again, I think people have some sort of uh better feeling when you're looking at the magazine. It's just yeah, well, something about it.
1: Well, like in this year, it, it, this issue that I just put out, I just had the wrap up on our Jacksonville event. So I had about 16 pages in there in that section uh, pictures of all the things that we did, the seminars, the gala reception, etc. Um, and, uh, the, the overall aspect of, it, I have a very loyal readership, whether they're furloughed or not, they'll see it online. A lot of these people I'm LinkedIn with, so I probably have their Gmail accounts and their company accounts as well. Uh, I'm always adding people. I mean, my database, I probably have 50,000 live active emails that I've, you know, built up over my 20 years. But I, I sent out 27,000, 99% open rate. I have a few people that have bounced that that goes with anything because people retire, they move to different companies, etc. cetera. So uh, all of that still has probably been in play. Uh, I would like to keep the print magazine, uh, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. The, you know, it, printers are manufacturers. So the biggest cost to me is actually getting the press set up. Once you get the press set up, adding paper and ink is, it's not like your price goes up. It's very minimal. It's the setup cost. Okay. So my printer has a minimum amount of issues that, that he wants to print in order for him because he just wants the printing presses running. When they're running, he's making money. Um, so that was a, that was a kind of a, a little frictional, talking to my printer saying, hey, you know, I, I really don't want to do a full run because I don't know how many of these people are even, are at their offices? Will they get the issues? I didn't want to waste the postage or the paper. I want to be sustainable and so forth. Um, but like you say, look, David, the difference between uh, you know, three thousand copies and five thousand. You're a publisher; you've been around long enough. You know that it's it's four or five hundred dollars. You might as well just send them all. And I said, you know what? just send them all, and we'll let the chips fall where they may.
0: Yeah. yeah. I do have a question in regards to the content of the magazine because I know Steve has a lot of students from the New School of Architecture and Designs, and these are the upcoming um, professionals of the industry. Do you highlight uh, this kind of people in your magazine where you can talk about uh, some of the students and where they can also connect with the companies that you are connected to? Uh, I mean, because you you have a lot of people, a lot of companies that go to your summit. And when you have this magazine, they have access to that.
1: Right. We, uh, you know, labor is a big issue. A lot of uh, the millennials, they don't want to get their hands dirty. I just did a podcast with a guy, senior PM of Construction down at University of Texas Health Science. It's the largest uh, health science facility in the world. Anyway, this guy, uh, Brooks Herman. Uh, he uh, started his career as a GC. Then he went to Francesca's, rolled out hundreds of stores. Then he went to Academy in the big box, and now he's on the campus. And um, we were talking about labor and on our podcast this week, and we were—I I was trying to tell people, look, if you have—if you have a kid and he's going to go to school, don't send him to go get a, uh, a, a liberal arts degree in basket weaving. You know, send, send him to a trade school. And have it because we need plumbers, electricians, drywall, welders, people that know construction management, become builders. Those are the people that, you know, even if uh, the government puts a big infrastructure bill, they're, they're short on people that can do this stuff. And um, uh, so that's, like friend, a, that's
0: really good for you to talk about that because Steve has been promoting that. I mean, that's oh what... No, uh, we're, we're,
1: Oh, we're, we're we, you know, I po- I just posted something last night about uh, my website, uh, a school that sent me uh, a gig about uh, scholarships and uh, students. And whenever that kind of stuff comes in, I give them, I give them the ink on the web. Uh, sometimes we'll put it in the magazine. It always comes up in discussions at our treats about, uh, you know, when I went to school, there was wood shop. They don't do that anymore. They, they should. Yeah. And um, like my son, he's in FAA mechanic school right now. Uh, and he's supposed to graduate this summer, but because of the uh, pandemic, he just finished, uh, uh, avionics and, uh, engines and so forth. But right now in his last block, he's got to do online, but he'll graduate. And all the airlines are basically, Delta's has about 15% of its planes, 600, 600 of them are parked at, down at Atlanta, Hartsfield, but they all have to get maintenance. So they're still working. And, uh, I just said, just, Keep your blinders on. Get your diploma. You're at your license, and then you're going to get scooped up. But believe me. Without the airlines, this country is not going to come back. They're all going. They're all going to start flying again. The Question is, how quickly will the public get on the airlines when they know it's safe and so forth?
0: Yes, yeah, um, Steve. I mean, I know that you had TV shows talking about women in construction too. Remember that show I mean, that you did? We also talked
2: about trades. I had a I had a master plumber on the show uh, who had come up from the, through the ranks, and he talked about. Um, both his parents were highly educated, and and he chose to come into the trades, and that's what he did for a living. And he talked about why he did that, and the number of people that um, he hires, who he's able to help their families feed their families, you know, um, by by creating a over the time a plumbing operation that has multiple trucks out in the road and those kind of things. He actually uh, was on the board of of one of the local plumbing um, councils, um, trade associations. So. I had him. We did. I did talk about two women that were in the construction industry, um, why they chose that, and and why that is a very viable and desirable career for women, even if they don't know it is, and and what their experience was. And the interesting thing was, um, they did they did acknowledge the fact that that you have to think about going in an industry where you're mostly surrounded by a bunch of sweaty, smelly guys all day and use a porta potty. <laughs> But at the same time, they, they acknowledge that they have the easiest time getting ready for work of anybody because they have professional jobs. They're construction managers. They, so they run crews. They they are, they are professionals. They are, they're degreed professionals. Um, but they don't have to worry about getting their hair done because you're going to wear a hat all day, right? You get a hat head, anyways. They don't to worry about what they're going to wear because it's blue jeans, the company shirt, and six inch boots every day and a vest. So, you know, and the eyewear. It's just what it is. You wear your PPEs. And they like that because they can sleep in an extra 30 minutes to 45 minutes every day because they don't have to worry about getting all dolled up to go to work. It's a piece of cake. They go out and do their thing and in, the, in the field and uh, they do very well. And, they, and the thing is that the secret is that people don't know for women in the construction industry, there is no pay gap. It doesn't exist. In fact, it might be reversed. And the reason is supply and demand. Companies all want them because they want to be more diverse, but there's not very many that want to do it. And so when they can find them, they will pay them. If they show up and act like they're interested, they'll get paid very well in the industry. And, and so I, I've talked I, I, I like to talk to people about the, those, those things that our society has spent 50 years telling people they shouldn't do. Uh, you know for 50 years and three generations, our entire public school system has taught people if you go into the trades or manual labor, you must be a loser. What a horrible, horrible message. You J- can that's be yeah. a millionaire oh, wow. if you're a plumber.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> well, here's I mean, the thing. I, I told my son when he was deciding what he wanted to do, he, he wanted to be a, 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 a mechanic for cars because he's a yeah. you know, car junkie. And then he wanted to do motorcycle. I say, better go someplace warm because they don't ride bikes all year. I don't run my Harley. I only run it in the spring and in the fall. Too hot in the summer here. And then he, we decided, look, 600,000 people are going to retire on the airlines. Let's go that route, but I said, you know what? Let's go find someone that doesn't have a plumber, that doesn't have any kids to give his company to, become an apprentice, you'll be a, you'll be a millionaire because everybody okay. needs water. They all need it for water. They all need to take showers. They need it, you know, you could do commercial resi- it, It's You could write your own ticket. But uh, he was like, oh, you'll, I'll get plumber crack jokes. I was like, come on. That's <laughs> just, that just <laughs> And you know what, roll, the people roll, making roll, roll those roll jokes? The people yeah.
2: making those jokes are driving a used Kia and they have a roommate to afford their rent yeah, and they're exactly. paying back yeah, a huge yeah. amount of student debt where you got paid to go to school. And, and the thing is, and I actually did this uh, presentation about a year ago to a group and it was, it was a group of architects. And so I, I actually, my whole premise on it was the inverse relationship in my experience between compensation and prestige. And I talked about the projects that I worked on that have the highest prestige because I worked on some that I see in postcards and I see in the in on TV commercials and those kind of things. Uh, I, people recognize the buildings. Oh, that's so cool! You worked on that. Okay, well, I, it's construction manager, so I got paid well, salary and bonus. But then I actually got paid a lot better working in production housing, and nobody's really impressed by that. When you say, "See that tract of homes? So those 400? I built those." The so people are go, "Oh, you're the guy that caused the traffic problem. I see. You're you're the urban sprawl. You know, the suburban sprawl guy." And then now I just do the land. There's nothing to brag about. We don't design engineer or build a darn thing. We just provide the land and the title. You can't point to anything and say, I did sure. that. What do you say? Well, I had that in escrow. I drew a map on that. Nobody cares. Um, you know, everybody in planning commission hates you when they show up, but the, the <laughs> compensation has been much greater. And so my point at the end of it was I pointed out to this group, the average salary for a master plumber in the United States and the average salary for a licensed architect in the United States. Both went to school. The plumber for four years in an apprenticeship program and then some additional training as he worked through journeyman up to master level. Uh, The architect, five years is usually what's required uh, as a terminal degree. And then you work for at least two to three years in a practice before you earn the right to take one of the most difficult professional exams that exist. And in the bottom line, the the, uh, architect nationally makes about 71 to 72,000 a year on average. And the master plumber is about 106. And who makes the jokes? Everybody, the plumber gets the jokes. Guess (laughs) who's really making the money? And guess who had five years of tuition that had to be paid back in the form of student loans? The plumber did not. The plumber got paid and worked and went to school as an apprentice and got paid to go to school. So, if we send the message out to people now, there is some truth to the fact that at some point you may not want to work manually as you get older because your body might start rebuilding because I did that. And sometimes your back and your knees hurt. And The truth is plumbers, drywallers, roofers, concrete layers, iron workers, they, they do a lot of physical work. And so by the time you get close, you know, in your upper thirties to 40, your body might be saying, can we do something else? But you know what? You can still go back and get a different degree later on or get a certificated, or if you work your way up like a lot of the tradespeople do, you own your own business. That was the model. You apprentice and work under someone else and make all your mistakes on their dime as you learn. Yeah.
1: You know, it's amazing. My my you know, with his AMP license, even though he's certified by the FAA to work on anything that's got a gen engine he you know air you know that that's where he would he's getting recruited he could go work on a train he could go work for a healthcare facility he could work at any of those types of in he could go into the uh armed forces go to boot camp and he'd be an officer and maybe and so i told him look you're 21 You, you you could write your ticket you got people all recruiting you you just put them all in there and then at the end Uh, you know, you can figure out, but getting back to your women's thing, we do, uh, we do these two executive retreats and they're the same formats. We do a three hour round table, record them. And then we do two wrap ups in the magazine, same questions. The women's event is 100% completely different than the men, Mm -hmm. just the answers playing in a man's sandbox, getting respect, uh, you know, you know, asking, Hey, why, why am I not getting that, you know, that pay having to juggle children and, uh, and, and all of those things. And it's amazing. Actually the women's one, I, I like even better than the men's because the men's there's a lot of egos and testosterone in the, in the room and the women they're they, you know, it gets very deep in those conversations. I mean, uh, it, they're, uh, it, it's just, and, but it's amazing. It's the same format, same questions completely different well, and,
2: um, well you know men we tend to stop at news weather and sports when it comes to communicating yeah women will get yeah, into exactly. stuff
1: in retail most of the people that are going into stores are women okay. so a lot of people that are designing these stores women understand hey i need more room between the fixtures when i'm walking through the aisle or i need the dressing rooms this way and that way and then and they have more of an insight than like my wife would be much more of a person to ask questions about a retail store than I would because, I mean, I go into them, but I'm in it all day. The last thing I want to go do is to be in another shopping center or a retailer sure. or a big box, you know. Uh, so, it, you know, it. and then what happened was I had, when I did the women's retreat, one of my subscribers came up to me. She said, why don't you just do this for women? And I said, you know, I don't even know how many women I have on my subscription base. So when we looked at it, I was like, "Hey, there's actually a lot of women on here that are in here. We could actually yeah. do that. That's okay. And then, and then when we started our lead-up, our organization, you know, this this past year, uh, we looked at how many women on there, and I was like, "Darn, we, you know, shoot, half the workforce is, is are females. We're looking for X amount to join that." So. Listen, without women, the country's not going to work, you know, <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: and, World yeah. War II, they built airplanes and everybody's stuck together. Just like here, right now, they're on the front lines, you know, helping and, um, more and, and, and I, more. Find,
2: I find they bring a different element. That's why the companies want them. That's why the companies that don't have them want more of them, because and I know there's a whole discussion on whether there's really a difference between genders and all that kind of stuff. I say all you have to do is look. If you've got two eyeballs, you can look and observe. Oh, they're wired completely different. Very different. And, and women bring um, a different thinking ability and multitasking ability. Guys tend to be very project focused, linear focused. Let's get this done. Let's knock this out. Um, women will have more of a broader picture and can usually uh, process multiple thoughts simultaneously more than men can both are necessary you need to have focus but you also need to have a big picture you need to be able to think about all the parameters going on and consider all the people uh, the relationships of how people are affected at the same time you need to focus on on time money quality and and that's why true diversity to me is a diversity of thinking not so much about how people look but the thinking and the truth is that men and women in general are wired differently and bring a different type of thinking to the table. And all of it, it, it you know, it's, it's the, uh, the yin and the yang, the weaknesses of one is the strengths of the other. And if you can have a good team of the right diversity of thought processes, um, you have a much greater probability of success. On I like
0: what, what I'm hearing from both of you. As a woman, surely <laughs> I'm enjoying this conversation. I do have an idea, um, David, because I've been into your event. I was wondering, would you be able to create uh, something where women can learn how to do some of the hands-on on on plumbing or, you know, being a mechanic just for, you know, a short period of time within your event? Because we did some auto racing. We were throwing acts. We were doing virtual um, games uh, during your event. I was thinking if more for women to experience some of this, you know, uh, type of work plumbing mechanics because I've always I remember being interested about learning how to uh, fix your car and I was never I couldn't really find a way to do that but I mean that's something that would be interesting I think don't you think?
1: I'll I'll tell you a lot of the a lot of a lot of the organizations like the the HVAC community they have uh, they have a women's Chapter uh, the roofing guys they have a women you know a women's group that that's in there so a lot of the different building products they will have a women's sector um, we actually last year I hooked up with a couple of ladies that were in the McDonald's construction department they had uh, uh, you know been there for years and uh, in transition they you know were bought out and uh, we actually put together a women's in construction. Uh, seminar down here in Atlanta in in June, two 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 summers ago. And it went well. We had almost a hundred ladies. We had uh did a couple seminars, we did some meet and greets. We had lunch and then we had a panel in the afternoon, covered it in the magazine. And then um uh they wanted to do three last year with me. And uh at that point at my women's event that I did up in Buffalo um we met the lady that was the New York chapter president of NABU, which is the National Association of Business Women Owners. Yes. I'm and familiar with that one. So we were talking to her. And I said, Hey, do you have a newsletter? Maybe we could produce it. How does it work? And when we looked at it, uh, my, my, uh, business partner on lead up for women right now, she, she was at the little gym and built 500 stores. She was on my cover. Uh, and she really just wanted to help women. She had gone as far as she wanted. And, and, uh, wanted to uh she said look instead of just being construction oriented we should be much more broad because if you just stay in construction you're kind of limiting who you can reach and there's 325 million people in the united states Uh, at the peak before before the peak before the coronavirus hit in march there was 170 million people in the workforce if you cut it in half more of them were most likely women but let's say there were Uh, you know, 65, 70 million women that were working um, in all sorts, insurance, doctors, construction, uh, truck drivers, you know, everything. And um, so we decided, hey, with Lead Up, we just would like to get a small sliver of that. So, but we want to be, we want to go to everybody. So I kind of, we went in that direction. And um, uh, it's not to say that uh, I wouldn't do it, but uh, I put lead up in the magazine for the past year and now I've kind of just, now we decided, you know, we're just going to print it on our own and I'm just going to run an ad for it. And, and the people that want to join, they can. Um, but I would like to keep, uh, you know, a women's column in there where we would do like a Q and a with a woman PM and, and kind of take that every issue that like we do with our women's retreat. And um, like I said, we, we ask the same questions, but it's amazing the responses that you get versus what you get on the, you know, on the, on the men's side. And nothing against the men. We, we, that's, it's a great discussion, but it's just completely different because women are definitely wired differently than men are. And yeah. I've seen it. And I'm one of the – all. there's only three males at my women's conference, myself, uh, my editor. And actually, I have a woman I do that to. The man used to do it. Now we just – I have a, my lead-up uh partner Colleen Biggs she's my moderator and uh my photographers a male so we're the only ones there so I get to kind of see this at first hand and well that's, um, that's
0: the same thing as what I experienced with the two tv shows that we have one for finest women in real estate and the other one is Roman real, real estate. I noticed that the discussion between the two shows are totally different it goes more on uh the uh, deep conversation Uh, on the personal level with the women and the men are really focused on just heavy topic topic on the real estate so it's totally two different format but um here's one thing i wanted to uh get uh for people to get out of this uh conversation is that if they are uh interested or just wanted to learn more about being part of construction what can you guys uh uh tell them what what message you wanted to give them and i will start with you david
1: well, if you're going to get, if you want to get into construction, the best thing in, in just general construction, if, whether it's residential or commercial, there are a couple big organizations out there. There's uh, the the AGC, which is the Association of General Contractors. They're nationally chapters in every state. There's also the ABC, which is the Association of Building Contractors. Uh, that's more of a residential side, but they do have a commercial sector. Um, uh any construction project that you see with a sign on it you can always go up there and talk to the superintendent and say hey you know how can I uh you know get in and so forth sometimes you're going to have to work your way down there also is another organization called uh, PMI which is the Project Management International Um, that's a and most of those people are are involved in construction uh, where connect it's really connecting with people that are within the sector and then you have to decide on where you want to go. Do you want to be a plumber? Do you want to be an electrician? Do you want to be in drywall? Do you want to be, you know, in those different sectors that are in construction Um, and getting your name out there and being persistent? Uh, Like I said, there's a shortage of labor out there on in the construction side. And uh, I'll tell you, once this is all over, pharmaceutical and medical facilities are going to be booming in this country. Uh, they're, They're not going to find enough people to get all that stuff done. And they're going to bring all those bits, you know, pharmaceutical production. It's going to leave China. It's coming back, not after what what we just went through, or are going through. Okay. Um, but that would be my, but that would be my main thing. Is hey, listen, you can Google any of those organizations. They're all up on the web, and get yourself involved, and um, uh, and get your name out there.
0: Okay. Sure. What about you, Steve?
2: I would agree with David on, on, uh, looking at where the, where the boom is going to be after all this, not just the pharmaceuticals themselves, but all the accessory supplies like say face masks, um, gauzes, face shields, gloves, all that stuff China cornered the market on. And so, uh, you're going to see a lot of that stuff coming back. I also look at a shift and I actually put a video up on this the the design, uh, the urban planning and land use and design trends of the last 20 years or so have really been pushing people to the urban environment, um, more people in smaller spaces, um, trying to avoid developing undeveloped property, um, more efficient use of resources, mass transit, those type of things. Basically, um, building up the urban cores and trying not to develop suburban and, and semi-rural and rural areas. However, what works to mitigate Um, carbon footprints is the exact opposite of what you want to do if you're trying to prevent the spread of a pandemic. You don't want everybody in one place if you're trying to prevent the spread of a pandemic. I see a lot of people that maybe lived in their one to two bedroom or studio in the city, relied on mass transit, that just went through a quarantine period where the parks, the beaches, the hiking trails were all closed. The common amenities that make it make it okay to live in six in five or 600 square feet, like say your workout room, your, your lounge, your business center in your building, your pool deck are all closed. So you're stuck just in your four walls. You can't avoid people because the elevator's got 20 people in it getting up to your unit. You can't get around because you relied on mass transit. I see a lot of people saying, you know what? I'm going back to the house in the suburbs. I want four walls. I want a yard. I want my, own even if it's a small yard, I want to be able to step outside, breathe the air, see the sunshine and not be fine for it or be harassed over and have to wear a mask on it. Um, I want a place where my family member who works in the medical field doesn't can be quarantined in their own room and, and not in, in where we live in a small one-bedroom place. And I, I see um, two working adults that all of a sudden have to work remotely, and they're both trying to do Zoom calls with their work in no place where they're not talking over each other while the kids are also trying to attend virtual school. That's insane. And that's what people have been dealing with. And I see there's going to be a big demand back for the single family home again, even if the policy people, the people trying to push the policy are trying to keep that urban development and the tiny homes and the accessory dwelling units and all that stuff pushing. I I see a lot of people wanting to move back out to suburbia, especially since now they know they can work remotely. A lot of companies may not, some people will go back to work, but a lot of companies are going to say, you know what, I don't need to lease this much square footage. I can have a lot of my people working remotely now. Save a lot of money in commercial. Oh no, that that,
1: that that's going to be one of. the – I just wrote about it in my column about people found, are going to figure out that they can work from home. They don't right. need to sit in rush hour. They don't need to spend the gas and all the stress and all that. They can get maybe they have to go in the office once a week or a couple times a month. Um, that I the guy my the guy from UT Health. He said that a normal meeting would take an hour. Now on Zoom it takes 20 minutes. That's right. They,
2: yes, that's, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, uh, and there will you know, be times that you have to go in and connect. But
1: we all, with but as human beings we're a social animal. So that's right. So it, if you want it, if you want to close a deal and you're you're still going to have to have face to face. You, you know will. it's not like you can close a deal and someone right. hey I want you to build these yeah. 100 stores and you're going to have to have a it's, and people are not going to be stuck in their homes. They want to get yeah. out and do things. So, but you but, don't
2: have to be in one place eight to ten hours a day in your office anymore. You don't have to do okay. that. Some people will, most people won't. And and again, companies are going to look at this as a financial thing and say, "Wait a minute, we can lease a third of the square footage." Oh yeah, they have a conference area, training room, and key essential things. Yes, we need a place for the IT server. And the IT tech people, yes, we need a receptionist desk. Yes, we need, you know, maybe even payroll processors can be done remote, uh, remotely now. Um, so only a few people ever need to actually go into the office. And so you're going to see a change. Now, I want to get back to Marie's original question on what, if, what about people wanting to get into construction. I'm going to say first, what does that mean? Construction is an enormous industry with so many facets to it. and You've got to decide where do you want to be. Do you want to build water treatment plants? Do you want to build bridges? Do you want to build houses? Do you want to build high rises? Do you want to build hotels? Do you want to build schools? Do you want to build prisons and courthouses? Do you want to build parks? There's so much out there that you can build. So decide what excites you. What do you like to work on? And where do you most likely want to work? Because geography will play a lot into this too. Secondly, do you want to work in the trade end of it? Or do you want to work in the management end of it? Those are two different things. One requires a college education, one requires and I, I technically it doesn't require it, but it should and that is require a good apprenticeship training program. There are people if you if you're going to go into the labor side of things, get trained to be a professional in your in your field and then decide what is what trade is that. Am I looking at more of a general type stuff or do I want a specific trade? Uh, David already mentioned that, which is the, uh, you know, drywall, steel, concrete, roofing, windows and doors, interior, whatever it is, painting, whatever it is you want to specialize in. And then learn it, learn your craft and do it well. And there's also generalists. Uh, The generalists are the people that are more um, the superintendents, the people managing the jobs overall. Um, They may be the people that are buying the materials the procurement people. So decide where in the industry, do you want to work in commercial or residential or um, heavy civil, or do you want to work more in the the industrial side of it? Because those are all different things. Uh, Do you want to work in contracting? Do you want to work in construction management? Do you want to work in design? those are all different things with very different requirements so first do the homework do the research talk to people and decide where you want to go and then start from where you want to end up and plan backwards to where you are now to figure out where you have to where to get there how are you going to fund it do you have to attend a school that's out of the way? Do you have to move somewhere? Um, do you have to take certain tests or certifications to qualify before you can even get into those programs? Figure all that stuff out. So that's how you want to get into the construction business is figure out where do I want to be and then where do I want where what's the path to get there?
0: Well, one thing that I think uh, that is also important for people to think about if they wanted to get into the construction and learn is to find people that are experienced in the industry. Because uh, I know there's a lot of professors there and teachers that are you know uh, talking about the principles of, of the uh, program. But if they don't have the hands-on experience, I think it's harder for people to learn from that when they can learn directly from the people that are experts and they've done many years of experience in, build, in the building industry, don't you think? And that's where doing
2: your research, for example, yes. where I teach, um, every single faculty member is an industry person, every single one of them. We don't hire based on PhDs because we don't care. Um, we, we That's fine if they have it. But the truth is, we'd rather have the people that not only have experience, but they have recent experience. Because if you worked in the industry 40 years ago, then what you know is 40 years old. Um, and, and every one of our faculty, including myself, work in the industry every single day and also teach. When you get to the large universities and you get into these um, construction architecture, engineering programs, generally you have a faculty of doctored level people that have either never worked in the industry or have been out of the industry for decades. And so they are teaching you what they learned 30 or 40 years ago, and then what the textbooks and articles say are what's currently going on. They do a lot of research, but they don't do it. In fact, um, one of the, the the large largest state Polytechnic University in California um, had a grant given to them by the NAHB a few years back. The grant was to send their CM faculty to summer internships. Now, see, that's a backwards idea. I think it was brilliant, because one of the people that came in was a guy that came out of the home building industry Uh, during the recession became an educator got his PhD and was now working in the university and he realized that his cohorts had zero experience actually working in the industry and if they had any experience it was decades old and so this grant was to not just have students go to internships it was make the faculty go do internships in the summer and work on projects for companies doing real things and and I think it was one of the best things they ever did the idea that that is necessary or wasn't thought of before. It just befuddles me because I'm with you, Marie. If you, if you don't know what's going on currently and can't do it, you should not be in the position of teaching people. Now I get that there are people that retire out and they can teach and that's not a problem, but I don't think that needs, that should be the majority of who's teaching out there. Um, that's one reason I work at the, the, the I've worked in three different colleges and or universities. And the two that I like the best were the ones that, relied on faculty that were not um, doctorate level and didn't have a lot of publications and research behind them. What they had was everyday experience working in many facets of the industry. And to me, that was the most important thing. Yeah, of that's all. actually really when good. You get to the and David, program for your magazine. Really by people that
1: we train. have, a, on my editorial board, I have two academ- academias. Uh, one, I went to University of Denver. I'm a Plyo. Uh Anyway... Um, uh, His name is Dr. Levine. He runs the uh, uh, Daniel School of Business and the construction management side. That's
2: that's actually got a very good reputation. We we see them in our competitions a lot.
1: Right. But but he's been on my board, but he also is involved with a lot of the construction that's going on, you know, on campus. And I just went to an alumni meeting here a couple weeks back, maybe a month ago. And we had the director of sustainability, real young guy uh, for the city of Atlanta. His parents own Ted's Montana Grill. Oh,
2: that's a great place. Yeah.
1: Yep. And, you know, it has a construction bed, but there were, and, uh, it was all uh, you know, social justice and all these other things that I didn't really think about. And normally I would be, you know, I'm on the other side of the fence on it, but there were some really good things that the, that the generals had. And then they had the director of sustainability from DU that they were talking about all the things that they were trying to do to be carbon neutral with solar panels and this and energy and collecting water. And it's Colorado, so it's got mm-hmm. that granola thing going on. Uh, but uh, the other gentleman is from the hospitality side. He's a hotel owner. He builds hotels and he teaches at one of the universities in, in California. So he's, he, just like you said, he's got his hands on and he's not old school. He, he's kind of got both worlds, but he's actually still building. So he's got old as well as new concepts or knowledge that he can give his students and so forth. Those that's, are the people that you yeah. want to
2: yeah. Yeah. So um, basic, I, I wanted to concepts, Go you
0: know, ahead, Steve. What, what's so the mind? basic
2: concepts of construction haven't changed in thousands of years. The idea of, you know, project management, putting a sequence of activities together, um, marshalling your materials, labor, equipment, you know, contractors, consultants, putting all that together. And, and, you know, things like masonry, masonry isn't that much different than what it was when the Egyptians were doing it. On the other hand, we're doing virtual design and construction, building information modeling. Uh, we're doing um, complex scheduling, using things like Primavera systems and stuff. Those, that's where the technology and the new stuff comes in. And there's also that whole green and sustainability piece that comes in um, that, are, that is being driven a lot, not just by design trends, but also by codes that, have to, that we have to know. And safety issues that come in and climate control issues that come in that are all more modern. And so construction is a mix of, never forget the basic principles that we've been successfully using throughout humanity's history. And at the same time, don't be afraid of introducing the new ideas, innovations, and technologies that make it better, more efficient, more effective, and to serve people at a greater level.
0: Okay. Well, well this, this is amazing. I mean, um, I wish I can extend this, uh, <laughs> but I know that uh, there's a lot more information that we can share. I, I'm, I'm truly thankful for both of your time and uh, the information that you've given to everyone uh, in this show. Uh, it's definitely going to be uh, beneficial. One thing I wanted to just ask you: if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way they can contact you, David? How how can they uh, reach to you?
1: Uh, best best way to uh, get in touch with me is uh, email at davidc like that davidc at CCR, that's Charlie, Charlie Robert, and then a small dash or a hyphen, and then mag, MichaelAppleGeorge.com. David C at CCR mag.com. If you want to be a subscriber, go to CCR mag.com. Up on the toolbar, there's a subscribe button. Hit it, subscribe. They come right to me. I'll add you to the mailing list, and <clears throat> all my magazines are up there digitally. You can see everything that we do, but uh, that's the easiest way to get to me.
2: David C
0: ah. at
1: CCR mag.com.
0: All right. What about you, Steve? Well, if they
2: want to get to me and talk about our projects, our projects where we buy land and title it and sell it to builders, provide R1 and, and like commercial land, that's coast to coast equities. And so the website, the best way to get hold of me there, wwwcoast C-O-A-S-T, dash, the number two, coastcoast.com. So coasttocoast.com, but it's a dash and a number two between the two coasts. Um, if they want to talk to me about education, for example, we talked about how to get into education. If they're interested in talking to me, they don't have to come to the school I work at. I work at New School of Architecture and Design in downtown San Diego, but there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's hundreds of great programs across the country. As, As I mentioned, we see them in the competitions and, and I would recommend most of them. They're great. Um, find out what works best, but I'm happy to answer questions on those. So, um, and we have an online master's degree in construction. If you're in something else and you already got a bachelor's and you want to work into construction that way, um, that is New School of Architecture and Design, and that's New School Arc N E W S C H O O L A R C H NewSchoolArc.edu. My email address is smatley s m a t l e y at NewSchoolArc.edu. Contact me there if you have any questions about uh, education or learning about construction. If you have interest in more projects or how we how we fund things or who we sell to or what, why we do what we do, on the company side, coast to coast equities and Coast2Coast.com. All right. After meeting Steve here,
1: if we would have been able to come out and see your event, I'm sure we could have put our heads together and come up with a program that we could have done out there. And, and I so know. Could. We
0: can still do Absolutely. it, uh, David, especially now that we can do online events. Uh, so definitely you and I just need to connect and talk about it. I have a way to do that here. So let me know. Okay. I am so um, One thankful. more thing before we
2: go, Marie. Can I yes. say one more thing? David, send me a link to your magazine website at my school email, and then I will forward it to the librarian, and we'll see if we can get the library to subscribe to your magazine.
0: Yes. Okay? Awesome. Make it
2: available to our students. We, the electronic version be better for our students. Okay.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think that would be nice because I can even envision it where – the new school of architecture is part of your magazine and the students are benefiting from, from your company and all your events. That would be amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, so thank you. And uh, again, we will uh, schedule another call in the future and hope you guys have an amazing week. And again, uh, God bless you all. Okay.
2: Thank you for hosting Marie. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye.
2: See ya.